And I'm truly excited with what the Lord is going to do in our ministry and in our lives. And I pray that we would get on the train of the path that in following the Lord, not in our own lives, not in our own path, in our own dreams, not in what we want for ourselves, but that we would get on the train of our Lord Jesus Christ. And today's message was inspired, actually, was from this past Sunday, the service that I attended in Korea. And it was given by uh, Moksanim Yi Sungmo. And he is an older individual, but truly he broke this passage down in a way where it's a hard passage uh, to preach on. And I just wanted to just relay that message. I'm not doing it for word for word. I can't remember the points he did because I was just sitting there, it's all in Korean. But I felt led to go ahead and to share the same passage to you to show you the gospel and what it means to be a Christian. And with this passage in Numbers 21, I want to encourage you to pray in your heart, to ask the Lord to open up your ears and open up your eyes to see the truth so that the Lord may speak to you today. For he is speaking, but the question is, are we listening? I pray that you'll be listening to his voice and his word that you allow the Holy Spirit to minister into your hearts this very morning. So with that, let's go ahead and begin and start with our title. The title of today's message is called Fix Your Gaze Upon Christ. Fix Your Gaze Upon Christ. Our main passage found here today is Numbers 21, 4 to 9. The heading says the bronze snake. So let's go ahead and begin. Verse 4, they traveled from Mount Hor among the root to the Red Sea to go around Edom. But the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no bread. There is no water. And we detest this miserable food. Verse 6, Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people, and many Israelites died. Verse 7, The people came to Moses and said, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Verse 8, The Lord said to Moses, make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. Amen and amen. If you're looking at this passage, if you have a Bible open, I'm breaking down this into three sections. So the first section will be from verse 4 to 6. The second section is verse 7, and then 8 to 9 is the third section. So 1, 2, and 3. And with that, let's go ahead and begin with our main point. As God's people, for we are God's people, amen? As God's people, number one, may we not complain. Complain. In other translations, 
It is translate the word complain as grumbling. So complaining and grumbling, it is the same thing, and it always leads to death. So as God's people, may we not complain. So for our reference, whenever you hear the word complaining, not only do you think about Numbers 21, but an easy passage for you to remember is found in John chapter 6. So for our reference, there's a key passage in Scripture that shows how grumbling is a complete anti-Christian, is a complete anti-God state of mind. So as Christians... Grumbling and complaining should not be even in our vocabulary, should not be even in our faces, should not be even in our lifestyle, in our day-to-life, day-to-day as we live, there should not be any hint or any sign of grumbling or complaining. May we not complain. Amen and amen. For your reference in John 6, where it says the heading, bread, Jesus, the bread of life. In verse 25 to 43, it says, When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him. Remember, Jesus just did a miracle where he fed the thousands, so people are following him. Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. He's just talking about the miracle that he just did. So people are following him. So Jesus says, verse 27, Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. He's talking about him. When it says the Son of Man, it's talking about the Messiah. It's talking about Jesus. He is the Son of Man. He is the Savior of the world. I will give it to you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Just like when you see the the organic sign, the symbol, that it's past. Jesus is the seal of approval that's from the Father. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the work God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe is the one he has sent. Just believe. There's nothing else you need to do. Just believe. Have faith. Have faith. Have faith. And have faith. Have faith in me. Have faith in Jesus Christ. That's all you need to do in order for you to be approved. For you to be accepted. Verse 30. So they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is a bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. They're referencing to our main passage here, Numbers 21, where Jesus gave manna and quail and water. God provided blessings, provision for his people. But that was not enough for the people. It still led to death. And then how did they respond? Verse 34, Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Always give us this bread. 32 again, let me just go ahead. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the, the bread of God is a bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Verse 35, then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. 
Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me. I shall lose none of all those. Not, I shall not lose none of all those he has given me, but raise him up. At the last day, for my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life, and I'll raise Him up at the last day. At this, the Jews there began to what? Grumble. They began to complain about Him because He said, I am the bread that came from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph? They're making Jesus into just an earthly figure. They're trying to lower his standard of who he is. Is he not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? And what does Jesus say in verse 43? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. And you could tell very easily who is a true Christian, Versus someone who is not a true Christian. A true Christian will not grumble and complain against the Lord. But a casual faith Christian will continue to grumble and complain. Will always have a reason to not believe that Jesus is the Messiah. And it's very clear in the fruit of what Jesus was saying here in verse 43. If you fast forward to verse 66, what happens? Before they were all excited, they were all willing to follow Jesus because of the miracle. But now it says in 66, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. No longer. One of the saddest passages in the scripture, many of his disciples turned back, no longer followed him. Verse 67, you do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the 12, the chosen. Remember, the 12 disciples. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Then Jesus replied, have I not chosen you, the 12? Yet one of you is a devil. Verse 71, he meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, who though one of the twelve was later to betray him. So Judas here is a perfect example of someone who seemed like, who looked like he knew the Lord. But we see that he was among those sheep and wolf, wolf in sheep's clothing who was indignant because we see it in the passage later when the woman with the alabaster jar, we see that it says that this, some of the disciples, is particularly Judas, was indignant. In other words, the definition of indignant means hatred, annoyance, frustration, anger, grumbling. It all falls under the same category, same family of definition. Judas had a heart of a grumbling heart, a complaining heart. So even amongst the chosen, the 12, 
Jesus makes it very clear. There must not be a sign or a hint of grumbling. As Christians, we cannot fall under the trap of complaining and grumbling before the Lord. But like Job, we must declare, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. And may the name of the Lord be praised. Why is it so dangerous for grumbling? Because the final end result of complaining and grumbling is we die. We die and we die. We die spiritually. We die here and we are no more. We will never spiritually grow and we will be left behind. And by the time we are all ready, it is already too late. The train has already left. Because your heart is too hardened to the point that you are not turned back to the Lord. Take a look at the main passage, Numbers 21, verse 4 to 6. They traveled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom. But the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no bread. There is no water. And we detest this miserable food. What ungrateful fools. They were slaves in Egypt. How dare they go ahead and complain against the Lord, grumbling against the Lord. And then what happens? Verse 6, Jesus gives his final verdict. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people and many Israelites died. If Kunzani was here, the snakes don't even need to bite her. Just by seeing a glimpse of the, the skin, she'll just faint and die. Because <laughs> that's how much she's afraid of snakes. It's a trauma that she had when she was young. But God sends venomous snakes to kill his own people. And it's a scary passage of what grumbling and complaining does to our spiritual lives. It's very important for you to know. And when we die, it's already too late. We don't have a second chance after that. While I was gone, I heard there was a pastor who had many networks, big footing, connections with other pastors who had died recently. And when death comes, it's over. There is no second chance. Once we die, it's finished. This past, the last of the past two weeks, of two weeks ago when I gave a message at LifeReach. I preached on 2 Corinthians 6-2 where I was talking about how now in that passage it says now is a time. Now is a day of salvation. Today is a day of salvation. That you must serve the Lord now. That life is short. That life is finite to young people, to old, older individuals. Pastor Donnie was able to attend the service. He has a great habit of sleeping and then listening to the message at the same time and he actually knew what the message was about and he was like you know you should have done this passage too he should have added this and he was talking about the passage in hebrews three fifteen, where when you when you hear the lord's voice do not harden your heart i was like oh yeah it's a good one i should have used that one and he was having this conversation but most of the services is like because it's hot and you know his health 
I was just grateful for him to be even able to attend the service. But we must always, always, always stay in the attitude of, let's get to our soul points. Always stay in the attitude of, so point A, thanksgiving. B, gratitude. C, humility. D, obedience. And E, repentance. Always stay in the attitude of thanksgiving, gratitude, humility, obedience, repentance before the Lord. How dare we forget the goodness of God? How dare we forget the goodness of God? How dare we grow too big, too proud, too blind, too arrogant to a point where we forget who our God is, what he has done for us? This is a long passage. Uh, If you could write this down for your reference later, uh, I want to encourage you to read this when you're at home. But Psalm 78 is a good reference to Numbers 21 of just what happens when we complain and grumble against the Lord, that we die. So Psalm 78. But let's continue. This is a long psalm. I want to encourage you this week to read it in your own time. Again, as God's people, point number one, may we not complain. Always stay in the attitude of thanksgiving, gratitude, humility, obedience, repentance. Point number two, as God's people, may we repent, repent, repent. Verse 7. Numbers 21, our main passage, the people came to Moses and said, We sin. When we spoke against the Lord and against you, they're repenting. They're turning to the Lord. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Pray. Pray with repentance. So as Christians, if we do not repent, again, we die. We will die. We will die. Yes, we've sinned. That is the first mistake. Yes, we complain. Yes, we grumble. But that doesn't mean it's over. You have a second chance while you're still alive. And the way that you come to a solution in order for you to live again is what? Solution number two is what? Repent. You repent. You turn to the Lord in repentance. And every day it is crucial for us to repent before our holy God. So may we recognize our sins of what? It falls into two categories. So point A and letter B. A is commission and B is omission. May we recognize our sins of commission and omission. And what is commission? Commission is sin committed that we did in our word, deed, and thought. Intentionally or unintentionally, we committed that sin. That is the sin of commission. Eating other fruit is a good example of the sin of commission. All throughout the Bible, when people have sinned, it was a sin of commission. Majority of the sin was a sin of commission. 
That's why Psalm 51 is a prayer that David gives, asking the Lord to forgive him for the sin of commission of what he did, the sin that he committed in his word, in his deed, and in his thought, and in his actions. What is omission? Omission means sin committed when we could have done something and we didn't, but we refused to do so. We were supposed to do it, but we didn't do it. You knew that it was the right thing, but you didn't do it. You refused to do the right thing. Reference for this is James 4.17 and Romans 7.14-20. James 4.17 says, If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is what? It is sin for them. And the phrase, it is sin, is found in James 4 and also in Romans 7. Romans 7 says, We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual. Sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. This is Paul struggling. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good as it is. It is no longer I myself who do it. But it is sin living in me. For I know that the good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it. But it is sin living in me that does it. Sin of omission. Sin committed when we could have done something. When we should have done it. But we chose not to. Luke 10, Matthew 25 is a good example for us. The good Samaritan. The good Samaritan is the only one that did the right thing. Who did not sin by doing the right thing. Matthew 25 is the famous passage with the goats versus the sheep. Where the goats, they're arrogant. Where the sheep are the ones who serve the poor, who help the hungry who did the right actions, those who chose to help. That's why missions, everyone, is so important. And I want to encourage you at least once to go because you learn so much about what it means to serve the Lord. You know, we need to apply this in our day-to-day life. Uh, you know, when I was in Korea for a little bit, I was at the markets, and, you know, there are a lot of big stores and people who have bigger vendors, a bigger vendor than others, and my heart just felt led to the smaller ones. You know, I could have bought, you know, gifts and things at another vendor, but I felt led in this area, and these two Harmony, they were selling socks and acorn and things like that, and and she gave me one to try, and I mean, it was very dry, but I was like, oh, it's very good, it's really good, you know, just giving good attitude, and she just gave more, and then uh, Chanloni was waiting at the cafe nearby, and we bought drinks and just gave it to them, and you know, it's just the consistency of the character of what Christ would want us to do, and just being and feeding and being in a position where you can 
help those who are in need of help, not because we're any better. You know, and this applies to any age. You know, I remember when I was young, I was like four or five. I have a vivid memory of when we were at the market walking with my mother, and I would ask her to give me some change. You know, there's like pegwon, yibegwon, obegwon. You know, it's like a little change. And going to, I remember buying herbs from this harmony because I just wanted her to have business. Just I remember that at a young age. And that heart should carry with you through the rest of your life. In, in, in our lives and in the way that we, that we live, our hearts should never turn stubborn and cold and too proud to the point where we neglect the poor and we're not able to see the heart of God. The sin of omission and the sin of commission. Flip of a coin. You must avoid both. And we must serve the Lord in truth by going on missions, by serving the poor, putting our faith into action. So may we turn to the Lord today with true, genuine humility and repentance. We need to repent. Why? Why must we repent? Because we must recognize our sins of commission and omission. And we commit these sins every single day. And may we have the wisdom to know that we are sinners saved by the mercy and by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in turn, may we continue to do the good works that he has called us to do. And lastly, our last point here, as God's people, as God's people, may we believe. Uh, this is very important. I mean, this is a very obvious point by something that as Christians, as jaded Christians, we grow apathetic towards this truth because we've heard it since we are young. But let me just go ahead and read Actually, before I go ahead and read the main passage, let me just give you the sub-points. So if we believe, sub-point letter A, we shall live in obedience. B, we shall walk in faith. And C, we shall have everlasting life in Jesus Christ. If you are a true believer, you will live in obedience you will walk in faith, and you will have everlasting life in Jesus Christ. And that is the promise given to you. What an amazing promise given to every single one of us, to those who are alive. Let's take a look at verse 8 to 9. Again, I'm dividing into uh, three sections, right? Uh, 1 through 6, section 1, verse 7. Is section 2, and then 8 through 9, uh, section 3. So let's go to 8 through 9, our last point here, our last section. It says, the Lord said to Moses, make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by a snake, and looked at the bronze snake. 
they lived. Now imagine someone who is deathly afraid of judgment, like deathly afraid of something. So for example, I'll use Kunzanim as an example again. She cannot, like, you guys think I'm joking, but I could take a napkin and just make a string. I'll be like, oh, snake, and she'll freak out. Even if snake comes on on TV, she cannot see even an image or even someone even carrying a handbag with a skin of snake, anything that resembles a snake. So when we think about this story right here in verse 8 to 9, when God gives them an opportunity to live, he gives them a second chance, a way for them to be saved from this death the giving venomous snakes. I want you to just understand what it would be like to stare at this bronze snake. And you do it because God asks of you to do it. It is done by faith and by faith alone. When we think about the cross, it's not, when we see Jesus, if we were back Going back in time, we see in timeline of Jesus dying on the cross. It's not something that we draw about and something that we marvel about and we say, oh, it's a beautiful image. When we look at the cross, we must think about the serious judgment and the wrath of God and how scary it is to see this image of the cross, of the Savior dying on the cross. So what Moses was asking for the people to do when they were staring up on a pole, a bronze snake, when right before they were just dying from venomous snakes, so why would they have to look at this bronze snake to live? That bronze snake, that bronze snake, my friends, is an image of the judgment of God. And it's a judgment, it's an image of the judgment that we were supposed to receive, death and hell, damnation, the wrath of God, the judgment of God. That image of the snake, the bronze snake, is the image of Jesus Christ on the cross who died for our sins, who took our judgment the judgment that we were supposed to receive, the judgment that I was supposed to get, the gruesome image of an individual being slaughtered, bleeding and dying, barely able to breathe. That is an image of our Lord, Jesus Christ. Many years later, Jesus will fulfill this. And we see it in John 3, which I will talk about it later. But may we remember what this passage is talking about. This passage is talking about who? It's talking about Christ. A lot of people read this passage be like, what? Who is a snake? I thought snake was a bad thing. Like, what is this? I don't understand. And the world may read this, and they will not understand. And this is a good point that Moksanim Lee, he mentioned. The world will tell you when they see you go to church, they will say, why? It's like, imagine you see a picture, like we walk 
we're walking down Otapan Street and we see a group of people and there's a pole with a snake and people are just staring at it because Moses commanded them to do it. How silly would they look? As, as an observer, I'll be driving, I'm like, what are they doing? And it's like, what, what, are they, what are these people doing? They will tell you when you're sick, when you're dying, to go to the hospital, to see a specialist. And he made a point, it doesn't mean I'm telling you not to go to hospitals. It doesn't mean, Arlene, your job is useless. But he's saying, in the world's eyes, from the worldly perspective, what you're doing is crazy. So you take time of your day on a Sunday to go to church, to lift up your hands, worshiping, to sit in the pews, listening to the messages. Why? What hope does that bring? What life does that bring? It makes no sense, and the world will not understand it. And people who fall under the category of John 6, 66, those who complain and grumble, or Judas who complain and grumble, and they were indignant, they will look at Christ, they will look at the story of Moses, of Numbers 21, and they will think, these people are crazy. What are they doing? You're bitten by a snake. And back in the day, snakes, they were deathly scared of snakes. So when you're bitten by venomous snakes, when you're seeing your friends dying, it's like the best thing to do is what? Maybe suck out the venom, spit it out, seek medical help. But what is the solution that God gives here? He says, he tells Moses, make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. Then anyone, when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. The world will say, go see a psychiatrist. Go take some pills for your sickness, for you to be healed. Why go to church? Why go to morning prayer? Why go to church on weekends? It's such a waste of time. But as true Christians, as true disciples of Jesus Christ, when we are saved, we cannot help but to obey the word of God. We don't obey the words of men or the standards of this world, what they tell you to do. But we obey the Lord. We don't obey the devil, but we obey the word of the Lord. And those who have faith and those who believed those who were bitten, and they were all bitten. Those who looked at the bronze snake, they lived. And we learn, and as we have learned, the bronze snake here, the serpent, on a pole is Jesus Christ, the judgment and punishment that we deserve was put on Jesus Christ who hung on a wooden cross to take the judgment for us by dying on the cross for us. And we see that the serpent was cursed by God. right? We see it in Genesis 3.14, that you are cursed. The bronze snake represents Jesus who took our curse, who took our place of judgment to save us, to rescue us, to bridge us back to the living Father, to a holy God. John 3, let's read this together. 
And we all know John 3.16, right? So if you go a few verses back, this is where it's from. So this is an easy way for you to memorize. So Numbers 21, the reference of the bronze snake is where? John 3. Just a few verses back of John 3.16. So let's start from verse 13. The heading says, Jesus teaches Nicodemus. No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Again, that phrase, the Son of Man. The Son of Man, not Son of God. Son of Man is talking about Jesus, the Savior, the Messiah. Verse 14, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. That everyone who believes, repeat after me please, believes, believes may have eternal life in Christ, in him. Verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world but people love darkness instead of light because of these were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. For those who live in evil, for those who belong to evil, will never stare at this bronze snake for they are too proud, too arrogant, and they are full of complaint and a grumbling heart. But for those who are humble and broken, for those that believe and have true faith and who gaze upon this pole, they will live. You will live. Nothing more, nothing less. For we all have sinned. For we are all stubborn, full of grumbling and complaints. But that's not the end. Yes, the end result is death, but that's not the final result. For God gives us a way out. And what is that way out? It's the cross. We must gaze upon the cross and believe. Fast forward, John 12. Now is the time where Jesus, the heading says, Jesus predicts his death. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted off from the earth, verse 32, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. The crowd spoke up. We have heard from the law that the Messiah will remain forever. So how can you say the Son of Man, again, the phrase Son of Man, must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Remember, when you see the phrase Son of Man, it's talking about who? It's not talking about regular people. It's not talking about us. It's talking about one, Jesus Christ, Son of Man. Verse 35, then Jesus told them, you are going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. 
Whoever walks in the dark does not know where they are going. Believe in the light while you have the light so that you may become children of light. When you have finished speaking, Jesus left and hid himself from them. Only those who believe will find that hidden treasure. How do you find the hidden treasure? Easy. It's right there for us in Numbers 21. It's right there for us. That's showing us here in this passage that Jesus is the Messiah, the King, the Lord. Found in John 3, the reference. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. It's right there. That's the truth. That's the gospel. Will you find the hidden treasure? It's easy. How? Believe. 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 Do you believe? And I'm closing with this. Romans 10 makes it very clear, specifically verse 9. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Amen. And amen. It is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Anyone who believes in it will never be put to shame. We've all been bitten. We're all dying. Right? Some, you're bitten on the, on the thigh or the knee. I think the most embarrassing part to get bitten is, like I don't know, like your nose. <laughs> so you have a snake right there just hanging on. It won't come off. But it says anyone who believes will never be put to shame. The world will shame you. Why are you staring at the snake? You look crazy. Why are you praying? Why are you lifting up your hands in worship? Why do you go to church? The world, the devil will try to shame you for your faith. But the truth and the reality is that you will never be put to shame for those who are in Christ. Because you will live. You will live. And this isn't just for the elite or just the poor. There's no levels here. For it goes on, he says in verse 12, there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. No Asians first, no this first, no this last. He says the same Lord is Lord of all. All. And richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone, every single individual that we know in this life. For this life is a miracle. For you to even be born is a miracle. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I think there's like a crazy number of people that have lived on this earth, 100 billion. A lot more that could have been born, but they were not born. The fact that you are alive here today is a testament of God being alive. 
Look to him. Look to him. And then with this last scripture, Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it talks about just persevering the race, you know, taking away the sin and all the distractions that hinders you. But here's the main part that I want to share with you. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Going back to our title. Fix your gaze upon Christ. It's taken from Hebrews 12. In verse 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning his shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. And amen. With that, I want us to sing this hymn together. Um, the words will be up on the screen. Uh, if you could just follow along. And I pray there are three verses and then there's a chorus. But I want to encourage you to allow the words to speak to you. And may you turn to the Lord and fix your gaze upon Jesus. And as we sing this song, may you worship him in spirit and truth. And may you be encouraged and be restored today. Let's sing together.
Stand to our feet. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to invite the praise team to please come up. Let us continue in the atmosphere of praise and worship and prayer during this time. And with the truth that we just have learned today from our main passage found in Numbers 21, and Jesus fulfilling that promise in John chapter 3, where he says, I must be lifted up, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness. So the Son of Man, again, the Son of Man, that phrase is Jesus, I must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. The world may say that you are crazy. The world may put a label on you saying 
that you're ridiculous. Why do you go to church? Why do you pray? Why do you go to morning prayer? Why do you tithe? Why do you have faith on an invisible God that we cannot see? But you know in your heart that Jesus Christ is our Lord, that Jesus Christ is the bridge to the Father, that we must look to him in faith and we must believe and know that he is the Messiah. Just as crazy as the people seemed and looked in Numbers 21 as they looked up at this bronze snake and as they gazed upon the snake as they were saved and they no longer died, when we find hope and truth and restoration on the cross here today. So I want to encourage you here today that you will look at the Father right now, that you will look upon the cross and remember the judgment and the curse that was to fall upon you, that the place that you are supposed to take, the death that you are supposed to die, that he took it on our behalf. He took all of your sins, all of your shame, and he put it on the cross, and he died on the cross for us, so that as he lives, that we will live, and that we will live in Jesus Christ. So with that truth, I want to encourage you here today. I want to encourage you to take this time to pray, and I want you to take this time to worship the Father. And as a praise team sings, thank you for the cross, the mighty cross in the background. I want us to just set the atmosphere. It doesn't matter who's around you. It's not about saying the right things. It's about turning your heart back to the Father. All he asks of you is genuine worship for you to look to him and gaze upon him, to fix your gaze upon Christ. And with that, let's come together and as a church and as an individual and as a Christian. Let's come together and pray. And let's repent and let's believe and let's turn to the Lord. Let's pray together. Heavenly Thank Father, let's you pray, for Holy Spirit, the cross, that you will strengthen us, God, that you will watch over us, Lord. Lord, forgive me, Lord God. God himself would die for such as us. For life and for me too. Find fulfillment and in this situation. And every day will change into your image more and more. The prince of this world. Yes, by the cross we've transformed. That will give us Thank fulfillment, you. but Lord, in the end, God leaves us empty. Thank you for the cross, the like mighty snakes, oh God. Lord, we have grown a heart of complaint before you, oh God, a heart of grumbling before you, oh Lord. And I have sinned gravely before your holy presence, oh God. I forgot what it meant to be grateful with that thanksgiving for you, oh Lord. Lord, won't you forgive me, oh God, for the sins of omission, for the sins of commission in my life, oh God. Lord, I look to you, Jesus, as the people looked at the the bronze snake on the Lord, we look upon the cross, who has been fulfilled, the Son of Man must be lifted up. So we that God Himself would die for such a And every day will change into your image more and more. Yes, by the cross we've truly been transformed. Thank you for the cross, the mighty cross. 
as I've been crucified with Christ. That God Himself would die for such as I. Forgive me of my rebellion. And every day we're changing to Your image more and more. Yes, by the cross we've truly been transformed. Thank you for the cross, the mighty cross. That God Himself would die for such as us. And every day we're changing to Your image more and more. Yes, by the cross we've truly been transformed. Thank You, thank You for the cross, the mighty cross. That God Himself would die for such as us. And every day we're changing to Your image more and more. Yes, by the cross we've truly been transformed. Thank You for the cross, the mighty cross, sing together. Thank you for the cross, the mighty cross. Yes. That God Himself will die for such as us. And every day we're changing to your image more and more. Yes, by the cross we've truly been transformed. We're so amazed, so amazed, and we give you praise that you would save us at such a cost. We're so amazed, so amazed, and we give.
himself would die for such as us. And every day would change into your image more and more. Yes, by the cross we've truly been They travel from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom. But the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and against Moses. Say, why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no bread, there is no water, and we detest this miserable food. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people and many Israelites died. Then people, the people came to Moses and said, we sinned and we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. The Lord said to Moses, make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. Then when anyone's been by a snake, looked at the bronze snake, they lived. Amen. 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 Heavenly Father, we thank you for the cross, the mighty cross. Lord, we thank you for your consistent character of who you are, your love for us, and your consistency of pursuing us. That you will leave the 99 for one to rescue us to bring us back home. May we be blessed people here today by recognizing that we have been chosen for your work. And as God's chosen people, may we not complain. May we always have and stay in the attitude of thanksgiving, gratitude, humility, obedience, and repentance. And as God's chosen people, may we repent May we recognize our sins of omission and our sins of commission. And lastly, as God's chosen people, may we believe. Because if we believe, we shall live in obedience, we shall walk in faith, we shall have everlasting life in Jesus Christ. And the only requirement is that we believe. We believe we look upon the cross here today. We thank you. We love you. We give you all the glory and all the honor. We love you, Lord. We love you. We give you our hearts and our lives. Pray all these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, and we pray. And God's people pray. Amen. 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 Let's go to our closing song, The Path of Life in Jesus. broken heart 
there's power in the name of Jesus. He's my righteousness. His name is the way, the truth, and the together for our benediction prayer. Let us pray together. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And may the unending pursuit and may the unending grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the gentle counsel and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, which surpasses all the wisdom of this world, May continue to guide you and protect you and lead you forevermore. And as God's people, we pray. Amen and amen. All right, God bless you. I love you guys. And I'll see you all in the back. Amen. <laughs>